All right, welcome to episode 15 of The Woke Antidote. We'll we'll have a couple of apps ready for you by the time you listen to this one. We're recording midday Friday. We recorded middle of the week. And TB, there was just so much wokeness, we had to do two episodes this week. Yeah, let's just say our fans needed a double dose. So we had a quick back-to-back series here, but... Uh, yeah, we couldn't even cover everything in our last episode. There's just too much. So, um, you know, we have a lot of other really interesting topics that we have saved for today. Um, so really, really excited to jump into that. But I know, I know the, big, the big story these days is what's happening to Netflix and Disney's stock prices right now. They are both just absolutely plummeting. Um, so SB... Uh, I know you have a lot of, you know, financial uh, perspective on this. So uh, would love to open it up with with you kind of commenting on this. Yeah. So this was the big story, not only in the woke world, but pretty much the whole world this week. So Netflix, it's been a darling of the financial community. This has been the best performing stock over a period of decade of a decade plus. And the stock was rolling high at seven hundred dollars. It's now at 220. So they missed earnings for the second consecutive earnings. The stock fell 35% the day after earnings. And so the question is, why did this happen? And a big reason it happened is because they're, they're now seeing not only slowing growth, but subscribers are actually leaving the platform. And there's a whole host of reasons why people actually aren't watching as much Netflix anymore. A lot of it is due to competition. So a lot of these new streaming services, the HBO Maxes, the Disney's, the Paramount Pluses, they're all ramping up content. And so there's just a lot more consumer choice for content than there used to be even just a couple years ago. Um, there's also a big issue with Netflix is losing a lot of their most popular shows, not the ones that their original content, but The Office, Friends, Always Sunny. You know, 2016 TV, if you had Netflix, you had every single piece of content that was pretty much ever created. And he had it for about half the price that Netflix is today. So now as, as you know, Disney bought Fox, they own OE Sunny. <clears throat> um, you've got other companies like HBO Max now has Friends because they own Warner Brothers. So all that content's being pulled. And what, what ultimately had to happen for Netflix to continue growing is they needed to be able to create great content. So historically, they were redistributing content, and that worked. They built this amazing scale where they have 200 million subscribers. But now we need to pivot to, can Netflix actually create great original content at a good price? And so far, we really haven't seen that. So yeah, they have a couple of shows here and there, The Ozarks, The Stranger Things, The Orange is the New Black. But it really hasn't been the level of quality for the price they're paying for their original content budget to keep all their subscribers. So for the first time um, in 2022, they're losing subscribers, churns picking up, and they don't have enough shows to keep people on. And TB, we've been talking about this all week. What are the Netflix shows out there? They, they can't mm-hmm. make that great content. And and you you texted me the uh, one of the, the the first woke shows they made, but it's not only they can't make content; it's that a lot of this content's really woke, so they're wasting a lot of money on this stuff. So yeah, I think th- that's kind of the the lay of the land here. But yeah, T- TB, what are your what are you, what are your thoughts on Netflix? Are you even watching anything on Netflix these days? You know, I, I am. Um, I'm gonna actually have one saved for our weekly antidotes at the end of the the show today but in general you're right i haven't really watched netflix as much as i used to now i've pivoted over to hbo i I watch a lot of shows on there actually now um fantastic quality on there um you know and you know even jumping into apple tv like you know they're they're starting to blow up now um you know they started slow but now they're they're really ratcheting it up but yeah, for, for Netflix, this was always my thought with it, even even from the beginning. If you look through their their catalog of, of shows and movies, their movie selection is very poor. There, there are not many good movies on there. There are all these like obscure indie type of films or just like, you know, low, low grade uh, movies that no one really wants to watch. So from a movie perspective, 
if that's what you care about, then I wouldn't recommend Netflix. So really what it comes down to is streaming shows. So yeah, to your point, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, a few of them, you know, they, they do have some outstanding uh, original content. So ones that I like are last kingdom, uh, the Witcher, uh, you know, uh, with stranger things. Uh, so those types of shows, absolutely fantastic. But I think the problem for Netflix and where this may have backfired on them is that I think we're sh- it's proving now that the binge model may- maybe doesn't quite work. Because think of a show like Ozark, right? Fantastic show. Everyone who watches it loves it. Super popular. Probably one of the best shows out on TV right now, in my opinion. But when they release Ozark, within the first week, it's widely celebrated. Everyone's very excited. Everyone binges it. But after that first week or two, then it kind of just dies out and people don't really talk about it anymore because they've binged it all and it kind of loses its excitement. People move on to the next thing. And I think that's a major miss on Netflix's model because you look like a streaming service like an HBO. And, you know, when they had Game of Thrones, for example, people had an entire week to react to the episode that they just saw. And then speculate and create theories about what the next episode or, or the rest of the season, how it was going to pan out. And there's a lot of excitement in that where it becomes kind of ingrained in the, the fiber of society. It becomes like a, a major cultural uh, type of, of movement. Uh, and that really creates the hype for, and demand for the show. But when you give users everything all at once, you lose that aspect. So I, I, that's been always my complaint with Netflix. Like, yeah, of course you want everything at once. You know, that's like a short-term uh, pleasure. But long-term, it, it really doesn't give the, the amount of gravitas and excitement for, for those shows as they deserve. So I, I think that's a major, major miss on, on their part. And, and to your point, SB, um, you know, they, I, I think Netflix as well, like they, they've really dive deep into kind of this woke culture um it's it's actually like really really disappointing to see so you have shows like dear white people um so you know one that's a pretty racist name if we're just being fair um if it was dear any other race people would react very negatively to it so um you know that that's a i have I, i i don't like that um, they had a show that was very controversial called Cuties that, you know, really delved into the territory of pedophilia almost, just kind of glorifying uh, very young children and not even children's beauty pageants. It was children dancing in very sexual ways. And it was like a very disturbing show. And Netflix greenlit that. Um, and despite all the criticism, they kept it. So it, it was like bizarre things like that. Um they, I remember once they, they were not once, they still do it, but they have an entire catalog for Black Lives Matter. There's a, a show that I used to watch, actually, um, and uh, apologies, I, the name escapes me right now, but it was about uh, a football player who grew up in a very poor neighborhood in California, and he was playing at an all-white uh, high school, and it was kind of in the vein of Friday Night Lights, actually. Um, if you watch Friday Night Lights, you would actually say that this other show i'm talking about probably copied it a lot of the plot lines are very similar but regardless like they decided with that show like a really cool story like the first season was great i really enjoyed it but then it just kind of started skewing like super woke like it became like very critical of of white people and and racial issues um they didn't really handle it in a a fair objective way they kind of just spin the narrative that uh, things are, are so horrible in American society. And, you know, I, I think it's content like that that kind of pushes people away. Like, it, you know, it, people don't want to be constantly surrounded by being lectured all the time. Like, we want to sit back and relax and enjoy and be entertained. That's ultimately what people do when they watch TV, not to be told how bad they are, or how bad society is. So, yeah, I, I think for all those reasons, Netflix has made a series of decisions that are now backfiring on them. And we're seeing it now in the result of their plummeting stock price. I, uh, SB, I have not seen a stock crash this hard in quite some time. No, this is incredible. And this was not predicted by anybody, even the most negative people out there. To your point on the wokeness, we're not the only ones recognizing this. So Elon Musk had a great tweet. He responded to an article about 
Netflix shares cratering with the woke mind virus is making Netflix unwatchable. And that's really what's happening here. There's so much content that really it, it shouldn't be made TB. So a lot of the content's woke and we just don't want to be watching that at all. But I, I think if I take a step back and, and broaden out Netflix and really the the question is, why did it have such a high valuation in the first place? Why was it $700 stock price to 220 I think the 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 value of the company has declined from almost 300 billion to around 100 billion. So c- clearly the Wall Street got some stuff wrong when they've taken off 200 billion off the value. And, and I think what Netflix was going for and they kind of got high in their own supply is they thought they would pretty much be the only media company left. So they thought we're going to throw as much content at the wall, see if it sticks. We want as many subscribers as possible. And we just got to keep feeding them content, content, content. And it almost doesn't matter if the content was good. It's just that the content was there. The problem with that is that at the same time, Netflix was doing that, trying to do do that content um, and really try to build a library. You have others that, okay, Netflix has been in business since 2012, building library, making House of Cards, I think, was their first original show back then. How long has Disney been in the business, right? They have TV shows and movies and uh, IP of Marvel and all that from decades ago. I mean, TB, you talked about it. The movie selection on Netflix is bad. Yeah, it's horrible. The the movies they have in there are so bad. They're second-rate movies from these studios. And even the studios are going to be pulling those movies soon out out of Netflix. So it's it was interesting that, that management thought they could kind of have this fire hose of content win the streaming wars, quote unquote, and then maybe at the end of the day, there would be Hulu, Netflix and Amazon Prime, maybe and everybody else would would disappear and they would they would uh, they would fold up their streamers and keep selling to Netflix. Well, the opposite has happened. And now everybody's going intense here. So Disney Plus really aggressive on the content front. HBO Max just merged with Discovery, which we're going to get to in a bit with CNN Plus. So there's so much competition now, and I think Netflix finally realized, and it took a 70% drop in the stock to realize this, but they finally realized that what they were doing wasn't working. And you said it perfectly with the binge drops. Those do not favor a long-term discussion of the show. You you watch the movie, and then it just drops. And then, yeah, another point, um, speaking of the movies, so – Netflix has always been saying we're not going to put movies in theaters. We want as, as much content for our subscribers as we can give them. It's it's exclusive to Netflix. Well, the problem is like TV. Did, did you watch the Adam Project or Red Notice? No. Nope. These were mega movies, 200 million, 300 million budgets that they just drop at one point on the service. And, you know, people watch it for a weekend and then it's over with. So they're dropping all this crazy money on so much content at a certain point you go, maybe there's a reason why they're not profitable. Um, and I think like a lot of people that aren't in the financial community, they might not know that if, uh, if you take out the, the years, which include 21 and 2020, if you take those out where Netflix got a cash flow benefit because they delayed content production, if you take that out, Netflix has never actually been profitable after they entered the streaming wars and making original content. So that kind of tells you just is this is business model working or not? And everybody used to think it was only investment, but it turns out it's a lot of shows. And it turns out that when you make shows that people just don't really want to watch, when competitors come along, they're they're going to switch their their time. Yeah, and and recent actions by Netflix have shown me at least that I'm not really convinced that they've learned their lesson. If anything, that they're really just doubling down. So. You know, the first example, Netflix, they're deciding to try to pivot or or not pivot necessarily, but create an additional revenue stream where they're investing in Netflix gaming. So they want to have mobile gaming as part of the Netflix platform. And so far, that catalog is, is very weak. It's games that are tailored to, you know, kind of a children's audience. And also it, they're just not very good. And it, it makes you wondering, like, they're already kind of dropping the ball on their shows, what they were, you know, really built for. So instead of 
putting those their resources into that, they're kind of spreading themselves thin by trying to pursue another industry. And getting into the gaming industry is highly competitive. You have multi-billion dollar corporations who really own that that space, who, who are kind of the leaders there, have really developed the technology to create really compelling games. So now Netflix is trying to enter the, that, that, that foray. And uh, I, I don't really see this panning out well for them. It's a very confusing move. And then the second confusing move on their part is that instead of learning from this and saying, you know what, like this model clearly isn't working, we need to create a better model that serves our customers. Um, instead, they're actually, the, their only learning moment from this is that they need to now penalize their customer base. So now they're saying, we're going to be hunting down our customers who are password sharing with other people. And they think that is going to fix their uh, their revenue and, and their financial problems. And I actually, I don't think that's going to be the problem at all. It's going to be, what's going to end up happening is the people who already own the subscription, they're likely just going to keep it as is, as they, they've already been paying for it. But the people who were borrowing from it, I would say like a small percentage of those folks, may, maybe like 25, 30% of them will actually then be compelled to buy their own subscription. I think a majority We'll just say, okay, I'll just move on and stream shows illegally or, you know, I'll, I'll find another service. So I don't don't see this really panning out for them. And it shows me that they really haven't learned from this. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And they're at this at the time that competition's going crazy. Everybody is spending. I mean, we've seen the Paramount Super Bowl commercials of the climbing Paramount Mountain. They're putting a bunch into it. We, we know everybody else is is putting a lot of uh, money into it. Netflix is pulling back. So a couple of things they're doing to both pull back content and make the product worse, you said it perfectly, with the password sharing. That That's going to piss people off. So uh, a big thing that Netflix always loved was we are going to make sure that consumers, we actually like password sharing. They said that in the past because they wanted to be friendly consumers. So if you said a few years ago it was friendly for consumers to password share, the implication was it is not friendly to to take to take uh, the password sharing out. So that's going to happen. Another thing they're doing is they're raising prices. So they hiked prices again in 2022, early 2022 in the U.S. And TB Netflix, the the average plan is now more expensive than HBO Max. So yeah. HB, HBO, not that. Let's even remove the Max. HBO proper has been $15 a month for how many years now? Probably decades. I don't, I, I you know, we were yeah. younger. We were probably very young at the time when it was less than 15. And, and that's the gold standard. Does Netflix really deserve to be over 15? Probably not. And then what, what they're doing, there was, there's this great article. Uh, the Wall Street Journal basically had this state of play on Netflix and they listed out all the things that Netflix is changing and what they've said previously and what they're doing now. And one of them was that they're now focused on quality over quantity. Where was this focus years ago? Like all of the sudden now, oh, our stock price dropped. So now we have to create better content. No, you should have been creating the better content in the first place and the less woke content in the first place. And speaking of woke content um, in this article, and we'll tweet this out. There's a churn. And what do you know? Very big spike in churn since the beginning of the year. So that's interesting. But if you go back to September 2020, huge spike in churn. What was the reason why? Cuties. So September 2020 laid the groundwork for people saying that Netflix, they went a little bit too woke here. They had this cuties film, churn spiked, we can see in the data. Now I think people are taking a second look and saying, you know what? I already didn't like Netflix that much because the content's not that great. I'm having competition now and I know they're woke. So what's even the reason for me to use this service? So I think I think they're in a very tough position. They're, they're trying to save themselves. Um, one of the things they're doing is advertising now. They're saying they want to want to do that. But I mean, they're behind. Everybody else kind of has an, an advertising play already. So the CEO on, on their earnings call said it might take them one to even two years to get advertising in the mix. And that was another one where historically Netflix has always been saying that um, we didn't need to do advertising and it was a core tenant of our philosophy 
that uh, that we want to give consumers all of our content ad free. So yeah, they're in a they're in an interesting spot. And and TB, I get he, here's the question for us and, and for the listeners: is is Netflix going to continue funding wokeness and losing money on it, or do we think they're actually going to say, shoot? We we need to start making money and and having better content problems, or uh, having better content. And you know what? That Obama deal, uh, you know, maybe maybe we won't do that. That Dear White People season four, maybe we won't we won't renew that. So what's your what's your prediction here? Do we get some 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 woke funding being on the decline or not? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, SB. Um, it's actually really topical because. We were just talking about this with with, a, with some of our friends this morning. So, um, unfortunately, I actually sadly don't think that they will learn from this. I think what happens is when you cave to the woke mob and you start investing in woke content and all that, and you, you give them that inch, then the Pandora's box is now open. If you try to scale it back, anything less than what is now standard will now mm. be seen as a restriction it will be seen as a racist or bigoted movement or anti-woke so it, it, unfortunately the standard's now been set so I, I don't really think we go back from here um and, and people like wokeism really is an ideology it's, it's a religion to these people so when you're when you are devoutly religious about anything in life you know even organized religion it's very easy to be blinded to logic you can kind of supersede what's rational by believe like believing in your emotions or you know what, what your beliefs are sometimes that's a good thing but in this case i think they just double keep doubling down and my prediction is that they will just cater to their woke population it will be a small segment and that that segment will be loyal subscribers but they'll probably be upcharged a lot to make up for the you know offset of all the people, all the subscribers that they're losing, but um, you know, you know, you know the the rich woke elite types that they'll have no problem paying a premium for content that they want to see. So, I think that's kind of the future for Netflix. I, I unfortunately don't see them scaling back, but curious what you think, SB. No, that that's an excellent point. That once you go woke, it's really hard to pull back. Like you said, once you do, people are going to be going, "Whoa, you're you're not renewing the show? Why not?" So, yeah, I think um, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I would say so. There's a headline this week. Uh, the Obamas were topical because Spotify and they actually let's take a step back. Spotify, they are very similar to Netflix in the sense of very much loved by the financial community for years. Stock price has been on an incredible run. And these companies have built tons of scale. So Netflix streaming and Spotify music streaming, but they really don't make any money. So Netflix doesn't make any money. Maybe they will this year. They're saying they will. We'll see. Um, Spotify, I think they make something like less than a billion dollars a year because they have to pay all the music licensing. So they're trying to get into podcasts and things to, to, to get out of that, um, to actually build a sustainable business beyond the music licensing. So TV, I'm looking at Spotify here. <laughs> $300 stock in November, um, $115 today. So <laughs> that's, um, that's not going to do, do you much good. Um, they had a high of uh, 365 in February 2021. So we've already had some, some issues with Spotify and the stuff they're putting on Joe Rogan's podcast. And what Spotify did is they, they, they went out and spent a bunch of money in all these podcasts. And one of them then they did with the Obamas. And the news came out this week that Spotify wasn't renewing the contract. And so there was kind of a back and forth, a, a war of words here, where Spotify was saying they were disappointed in the content output by the Obamas. And so that's why they didn't want to renew it, because it didn't financially make sense to them. And then the Obamas came back and they said that, well, we don't like that our podcast was exclusive on Spotify because it was limiting the reach. Which I actually do think that's that's a good point by them, but then maybe they shouldn't have taken the deal in the first place. So <laughs> to to me, that's sort of the first example I've seen of of like woke defunding, you know, hashtag defund the woke. That's the first example I've heard of that. Um, maybe we get more of it, but um, yeah, I think with with me reading about and and Netflix even kind of saying this, 
they're pulling back spending and they're focusing on quality. They're saying that they are, you know, they're, they're implying that they're going to have fewer wokeness in the platform. Like you said, when they, when they start doing that, they're going to be called out for it by the woke. So we'll see, are, are they confident enough in their game plan and are they comfortable enough to say, nope, this wasn't a woke or not woke decision. This was the decision based on financials and improving the business, or are they going to cave? And yeah, I think that's going to be the, uh, the question of, of the next year or two. But um, yeah, TB, speaking of that, I, I, I think unless you have anything more to say, should we pop into CNN Plus now, speaking of wokeness? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I was going to make a quick comment on uh, Clay Travis had a great tweet about how he noticed that when he was trying to catch like Braves games and stuff like that, his his streaming packages rarely ever captured it and not in the way that cable did. So I think this entire conversation, it just does it raises a very interesting question if kind of this the streaming on demand types of services if this really is the model for the future, because, you know, in all these examples that we just said, it really kind of restricts uh, a lot of a, a lot of customers. It kind of locks them into a particular you know, portfolio of content, and it's not always good. So like in the Netflix example, if you decide, you know, not everyone can afford multiple subscription services for. So for those where money is tight. And Nef- they choose Netflix as their only streaming service. Well, they now don't really have access to uh, many movies, and you know, and then the show quality is also depreciating. So, um, you know, it, it does it does raise a really interesting question. You know, maybe these streaming services they uh, they decide to open up a little bit more, maybe either by expanding their portfolio, or maybe having partnerships with other streaming services, but. Yeah, as we're saying, like a lot of this just really isn't great for the customer. It kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, you know, cable obviously isn't perfect. I think there's a lot of like, uh, you know, stuff that they kind of force you to 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 take on, like all these channels that you don't watch. But, you know, I think maybe a lot of the cable companies can learn from this and create more tailored packages that are more customer friendly. So they're paying for what they want, but also have access to more. So um, that's kind of my prediction for the future. But um, yeah, just wanted to share that quick tidbit. But yeah, going on to CNN Plus, um, SB, who who lasted longer, CNN Plus or Jeffrey Tubin on a Zoom call? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> damn, we we gotta we gotta tweet that out so we get some retweets for the pod. But man, dude, yes, CNN Plus. This was just a complete, a colossal joke because they they came out and and first of all, like let's let's realize that CNN, you know, for all of the talk about CNN, it it rates consistently lower than MSNBC and Fox News. So on any given night, you might have Tucker on Fox getting four million viewers and CNN getting seven fifty k. I mean Don Lemon is not very popular tv i don't know if you noticed that or not but people aren't aren't oh, shocking for for on demand don lamon and anderson cooper so the the fact that cnn plus actually thought that people were going to pay for this programming i mean it, it's a perfect you know elites out of touch right because they thought this was actually going to work and they built business plans around it so we we, we asked the question of whether woke would get defunded well CNN was just bought, and we talked about this on previous pods. We, we speculated that new ownership just this month CNN was bought. New ownership of CNN, they pro- probably will shut down CNN Plus because it's a money-losing you know, sh- just disaster. And you know what? It exactly happened. So it was reported that $300 million went into CNN Plus, and then boom, um, the new ownership cut it. So – immediately um you know cnn was was trying to claim that oh it was just a different streaming strategy and it's going to be folded into hbo max and all this no if the product was good they would have kept the product going it was that there isn't demand for wokeness and fake news and that's why it failed so i'm happy to see that they completely cut it and and tv i think one of one of the best tweets of the of the whole year was when CNN has to cover CNN Plus being <laughs> uh, shut down. 
and they used fake news. CNN was fake news about fake news CNN Plus shutting down, calling it a misalignment of strategy, but it was wildly successful as opposed to actually they cut it because it was a terrible product. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I think I think we need to celebrate CNN Plus shutting down because it is a sign some wokeness is at least being defunded here. Yeah, there is an amazing... Um clip of brian stelter talking about like how successful cnn plus was um like let's call that some epic gaslighting because it's yeah it's hysterical watching cnn having having to cover the news of their streaming service um and you know they keep lauding it as this highly successful and revolutionary model but yeah it just wasn't aligned to the 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 new change in ownership and, and the vision for the future like, like, SB, you're absolutely right. If it had any hint of success, if it had any chance for that, they wouldn't have canned it um, just a month in. They would have, you know, maybe paused it or, you know, tried to pivot in another direction, take the foundation, just move it somewhere that it could be, you know, more amenable to the new model that they want to move to. But they, they literally just ripped it out. So it's just evidence that this was not working. And uh, I mentioned this on a previous episode. Uh, but it was always very perplexing to me why the powers that be at CNN decided it was a wise decision to, you know, they looked at their plummeting ratings and said, you know, they could ascertain that their content already was unpopular. And then they were going to take that very same unpopular content and then move it behind a paywall. So it was just making it even more inaccessible to, to users. And right now they should be in a model of trying to grow their user base. You know, they, they, they have to. It's almost like an emergency uh, status for them right now, but they they chose to monetize this, so it was a very short sighted and just just very poor decision on their part. But I, you know, I I just can't help but take delight in what's happening. Like CNN has always tried to take on this this air of you know we are the most trusted news and source uh, trusted source of news. We are um, you know they, they were always holier than thou. Oh, they would always condemn Fox News and the like, um, and I think people have just realized that these aren't just objective journalists. If you listen to Brian Stelter, if you listen to Don Lemon, you know, even, you know, Chris Cuomo before he got fired um, and all that, these guys are activists, you know, and and there's, I I would have no problem with that if they were just like, Hey, I'm a liberal, I'm a commentator. I'm going to offer you my liberal perspective. If they did that kind of in the vein of a Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity on Fox, that's totally fine. Like, yeah, I still wouldn't watch them, but at least they're being transparent about who they are and what their, their angle is, but they pretended to be objective. And that's where you then delve into the territory of lying and misleading your audience. And people don't like that. Americans don't want to be lied to. So CNN has really, this has really backfired on CNN because now they are looked at as fake news. You know, I know that was a famous talking point for Trump, but if you can even, it, whether you like Trump or not, there's there's a lot of truth to that. CNN has fallen apart. They they have they've they haven't really represented any form of journalism anymore. They have they have their angle. They have their agenda. Uh, so now the, the American economy and the American market is now penalizing them for it in the way in the show of just not subscribing to them. And I think that's you know like I said in the last episode, it gives me a lot of hope that despite what the media wants you to believe that everyone loves this stuff. At the end of the day, America has a lot of values that don't align with what CNN's selling. So um, you, you got to love to see it, SB. You do. And you really have to wonder if CNN brazenly is lying to their employees about the success of CNN Plus, how badly are they lying to us? And, and what I'm referencing here is uh, a Fox Business reporter, Charles Gasparino. This was on March 30th, so I believe that CNN hadn't even launched yet, right? They, they launched sometime in April. So he, he comes out with the report, March 30th. He says, CNN Plus employees are bracing for layoffs, possibly as soon as May, amid projections of lackluster sales of the new streaming channel. So he didn't even say that they were going to shut it down. He just said, it's not performing as well. We're going to change. This is a, a, a CNN. This is head of strategic communications for CNN Worldwide, the guy finds the tweet somehow. He goes, for the record, we are very happy with the launch of CNN Plus, 
and are only bracing for a long run of success. This is March 30th. <laughs> so it's just unbelievable that I, I guarantee this was being discussed internally that they were doing great. And so all of a sudden now we went from we're going to be doing CNN Plus for decades. That was what the former CEO of Warner Media said before he was um, let go in, in the in the restructuring and the, the buying of the company. And now CNN Plus is they're they're just not doing doing anything. So I think it also speaks to you. So TB, I think you, you made a great point earlier about streaming. Like it's not necessarily consumer friendly. Which is different because if, if, if you go back to Netflix in, in mid-2016, right, something like that, you had the bundle and then you had, all right, I'm going to – if I don't really watch news and sports and shows in the bundle, I'm going to sign up for Netflix. I get everything. I get ev all of the shows just a little bit later and all the historical content. Now you have to mix and match to get what you want. And you know we're both baseball fans, so I'll use this example. If you want to continue watching – your local team you need to have your cable subscription which is a lot of money these days because of all the channels to have to have that network like a nesson or a uh, yes network if, if the Sox yankees so you've got to have that um you've, you've got to have espn plus for their exclusive games on there you've got to have apple tv plus new streamer this year um having games you have to have peacock because they're doing games you have yep. to have, if you're a, a Yes Network person, Amazon is now taking, I think, 20 of those games a year and putting them in Amazon Prime. So all of a sudden, the cost to be a baseball fan is like hundreds of dollars a year to watch this stuff over what it really should be. So that can't be good for the game. And what I think what CNN Plus, what they were trying to do with it is they were looking at ESPN Plus and they were saying ESPN Plus, it's got 22 million subscribers. It's growing multiple million subscribers every quarter. And so maybe we can get CNN Plus to, I think it was 10 million subscribers was the projection um, that they had after several years. The problem with that is that like sports, it's a known um, commodity. People like sports, they'll watch it. ESPN Plus slowly but surely is getting a lot of sports content, which is driving a lot of subscriber acquisition. The problem with CNN Plus is that like you literally weren't getting anything like it didn't like, like Anderson Cooper interviewing people. I can get that on YouTube. C Chris Wallace is going to be driving people to CNN to CNN plus. <laughs> I mean, give me a freaking break. ESPN plus like TV. If, if, if I, if I've got to watch a good game, I will sign up for ESPN plus if it's exclusive to the service because I have to watch the game. I'm not signing up for Chris Wallace on CNN Plus. And I think that's like, and we can we can talk about that, but it's like that was where the misread was, was that there was this multi-million million person demand for these CNN personalities. And it was just a total misread by the liberal elite. Yeah, I, I really don't understand their decision-making around this. Um, and clearly... We were right, you know, as evidenced by them shutting this down just a month in. Um, you know, it, you you have to love to see it because the the folks they have over there at CNN just they aren't good people. Um, you know, I'm not trying to demonize journalism or anything like that, but if you just listen to them, they're incredibly pious. They're holier than thou. They they talk down on people who think differently. They're not sharing the news with you. They're telling you what you should believe. And when you're trying to pretend that you're an objective journalist, I have a major problem with that when, when you start delving into the, the world of activism and uh, misleading people. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a learning experience for sure. Um, I'd be curious to see how, I, I, have, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I don't know if they're even publicly available, but how like a service like Fox Nation, you know, that's kind of Fox's subscription service, how they're performing because you know whether you like fox or not there is no denying that some of their top personalities like a tucker carlson a sean hannity uh those guys they do have a massive following and a massive appeal um so it would make sense why people would want to subscribe to them um and i know they kind of balance a lot of their content with other things too like I know that they purchased Clay Travis's show Outkick, so they have some sports stuff there. They do appeal to a religious uh, base, so they have some religious content on there. 
Um, they even do like some country music stuff. So they kind of just offer a wider catalog than just uh, than just like politics. So I'd be curious to see if their model is working better. But I think when you just have like these unlikable personalities and you try to put them behind a paywall like you're like like CNN did, you're just doomed to fail. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you brought up Fox Nation because I think that's a perfect contrast. Fox Nation, according to Fox, is doing very well. So they're seeing substantial growth. And I've got an earnings call quote for you right here from love CEO of Fox News. So this is from their, their first quarter earnings um, in February talking about their results. And he said, the momentum continued at Fox Nation which increased its net subscribers in the quarter by over 30% versus the September quarter, supported by strong, fresh content to help drive higher subscriber numbers and very low churn. And I think you're exactly right about they're building around Tucker, who has a loyal fanhood, because what does he do? He tells the truth as he sees it. Now, maybe Tucker's not always going to be right on every single issue, but he is focused on the truth. And he, he will admit when he's wrong, if there's some things out there that he initially had an opinion on and new information comes to light, well, he's hit, he's hitting and he's saying, yep, this is new information. Um, I think the Tucker Carlson originals, look, it's like, look, why, why are people going to Fox Nation for Tucker? He has two shows on there and they, they specifically name Tucker in the earnings calls and the conferences, the Fox News. Um, they say Tucker Carlson is driving subscribers to Fox Nation. And so his two shows are Tucker Carlson Today, where he speaks in long-form, in-depth interviews with people that you don't normally see on TV. So that that wasn't what CNN was doing. CNN was parroting the classic liberal view of the world. Tucker talks to these maybe unpopular people outside of the conservative access, but these are people that have a lot of good stuff to say, and it's catering to the the 1% of media that's not the 99% of the approved liberal agenda. So that's the, the one show, the interview show. And then the other show that he's doing that's bringing people onto the platform is Tucker Carlson Originals, where he's making documentaries about key issues in the world. So the ones he's making this season are about um, the decline of testosterone in men, for example. Okay, that's kind of interesting because if if this decline continues, then we're not going to be able to have children in the future. So that's something that should be discussed, and that's not talked about anywhere else. Um, he had an episode in the, the first season about how the um, environmental groups are just ruining in the environment, actually. So they're cutting down forests to build wind farms, essentially, is like an example of what he was covering. And then another one he looked at was the influence of – international forces on Hungary. So they went to Hungary and they looked at Hungary's trying to be this nation where they have a strong border. They have a strong culture. They have um, a president who's offering incentives for people to have families. They want to grow their nation and people like George Soros and other people like that are trying to take that down. Um, another, another final one that comes to mind is he's investigating Chicago and the crime in the first season the second season, he's investigating the incredible crime in L.A. So, TB, I'm, I'm sort of hoping that he investigates the crime in New York City in season three and he gets <laughs> you on the show to give your opinion on what's been happening. Because, like, we talk about this in the pot all the time. The cities in the, in the U.S. are destructive. There's drugies all over the place. There's crimes happening in broad daylight. There are criminals committing murders and then getting back to the streets in a week. Is CNN talking about this? No. MSNBC is not talking about this. Fox News, they talk, talk about it a little bit on, on the network. But the key area where this is being discussed, it's Fox Nation. So they're getting people that want this type of information. And CNN, they weren't giving us any additional um, content from what the broad CNN channel was doing. It was a continuation of it. No it, it was it was watered down content that people weren't even watching in the first place on CNN. So they were totally out of touch. Fox Nation, very much a different product. And yeah, I think money going towards woke now. And um, I'm hoping we um, we see that. But should we uh, should we pop pop in some uh, some weekly antidotes here?
Yeah, I think that's a that's a perfect segue. So we've been talking about this entire episode has been dedicated to talking about the the streaming services and television, kind of the, what's going on there. So we decided to keep our weekly antidotes, our second iteration of them, on the theme of of television and, and streaming. So um, we want to cover today two uh, shows that we're watching right now that we're really enjoying. Um, so. Uh, ironically enough, uh, the show I'm I'm watching. Is oh no, on here it comes. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little, I guess, a little hypocritical of me to be dunking on Netflix, and yet here I am recommending a Netflix show. But this is one of the few, the select few, great quality shows that Netflix has to offer. So, it's called The Last Kingdom. Um, so, for those who are not familiar with it, um, it's all about the uh, the the formation of uh, what we now know today as England. So it takes you through kind of like the Saxon uh, conquest uh, throughout the United Kingdom or, you know, the, the countries and states that uh, work that are now part of the United Kingdom and, and then their conflict with uh, the Danish. So um, you, you kind of have a mix of like Viking and, you know, um, that type of culture. Um, so people who are kind of like the pagans, and mi- mixing in with the Christian Saxons. So you see a lot of conflict that r- arises from that where pagans are looked at as these big heathens and the Christians are on their crusade to pur- purge the, the, the world. Uh, but then you also see a lot of mixing in between the, ten- between the two where they're trying to coexist with one another and there's intermarrying, there's villages and societies that are built with them peacefully living together. So it's a constant like, you know, uh, just capture of that and, you know, just kind of like the, the, the push and pull of, you know, trying to make this work in this new world. Um, so if you like, if you like Game of Thrones, it's very much in that vein. So you have, you know, you have a little bit of uh, fantasy-esque type of stuff in there. So like you have magic and, and you know, and, and all that, but there's a lot of like really fun fight scenes, a lot of, if you like sword play and all that. Uh, the Last Kingdom has it. If you're a history buff, um, not of course, not that everything is 100% historically true, but it's based on historical events and historical people, so it scratches that itch as well. Um, so this is uh, this is the last season of of uh, the Last Kingdom. So I believe I'm on season five right now. Um, it's either four seasons or five seasons. I think it's five, um, but this is the final season, so it's all culminating in this fight between the Danish and the Saxons. And then they're actually, it's not, the show isn't just ending there at the conclusion of this final season. They're actually producing a movie that will be the, the ultimate finale of this series. Um, so that is extremely exciting. Um, it's really just top quality show. Like you can tell a ton of money's been pumped into it. The acting is fantastic. The, the, um, it kind of the, the action and all that's filmed very, very well. It's very exciting to watch. So, yeah, highly recommend uh, The Last Kingdom if you are if you do still have your Netflix subscription. Yeah, you know what 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 you do is you, you basically go to Netflix, you, you watch it, and then you know t- take out Netflix to desubscribe, and then come come back when you want to binge something. Um, you know, I think that's that's another one that the the analysts in the financial community I think got wrong. They they underestimated the willingness of consumers to switch around. So I've actually had this conversation at work where uh, I talk to older guys at work, you know, and, and they go, yeah, I'll, ju- I'll just keep my Netflix. Well, you could do that or you could watch The Last Kingdom on Netflix and then swap to another service like Apple TV Plus, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So it's, uh, you know, you can do this kind of stuff. And the, the churn, actually, this was this reminded me the churn of people that are younger is way more uh, out of Netflix, which doesn't surprise you at all. But the eighteen to thirty, the eighteen to thirty-four year old churn on Netflix is a little bit over three percent. It's not exact. I'm looking at this chart, but it's probably like three point two percent. The churn of people thirty-five to fifty is more like two point five percent. This is monthly churn. So you see, there's that generation gap where the younger people go. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to what I want to watch, and if if there's a, if there's something like The Last Kingdom that's gonna be great, I'm gonna watch it. But I don't need to keep a service, and it's a very easy for me to simplistically 
um, you know, swap out uh, a service one month to the next. So I, I find that to be interesting how there's that sort of generation gap of the thought of whether people are going to churn or not. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, definitely recommend The Last Kingdom. Uh, it's like I said, it gives you that Game of Thrones itch if you if you still have it, even though that had a very disappointing last season. But ha- I'm halfway through the last season of Last Kingdom and it is not disappointing. It's one of the stronger seasons, in my opinion. Uh, so de- definitely check it out. Well, and, and TB, I, I think I stumbled upon a reason why you might be enjoying this. Why is that? Well, the last, the last kingdom is not a Netflix produced show. So I'm looking at this right now. It's on Netflix, but I'm looking at it on a, on a, the handy Wikipedia original network BBC Two in the UK. Um, oh, that's right. That, so, so that happens there, and then it goes. Um, the the production company is, is a company called Carnival Film and Television. And that is a British production company based in London, founded in 1978. It has produced television series for all the major UK networks, including the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, and Sky, as well as international broadcasters, PBS, A&E, HBO, NBC. So that is very telling that, you know, I think think this is a great example of if you you, uh, reverse a few years – Netflix was the one spending on streaming, so it was always going to get this type of show. I think nowadays there's going to be a lot more competition for a show being this good for the U.S.-based streamers to distribute the show around the world. Yeah, wow, that's actually that's really interesting to learn. I I should have assumed it was uh, a U.K.-based show. Actually, now that I think about it, um, but yeah, that that probably does explain why the quality is top-notch. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of the few actually like really quality like must see shows. Um, if, if you like history, if you like that time that time period with like kind of medieval times, like swords and all that, um, it, it's really good. It has like it really delves into like the politics behind the scenes. Um, you know, kind of what these these great kings and all their like imperial. Uh, motivations and conquests um, and kind of like the ramifications of that when they take over certain territories like the show does a really good job of, of capturing that um, so uh, yeah I've been I've been really really enjoying the show but I- I'm mostly excited to get through this season uh, even though it'll be sad once it's concluded but uh, SB the show the next show on my list is the show that you're watching right now and, and gonna comment on but uh, yes. it, it really it really sounds pretty uh, pretty exciting. So b- briefly, one one more comment on uh, the Last Kingdom before we move on. I'm on the Carnival website, Carnival Films. Carnival Films is a division of NBC Universal International Studios. Huh. Very interesting. So this is this is the Netflix bear case in in a single conversation. We like a show. Well, you like a show, and a lot of people like the show. It's a great show. That is not being made by Netflix. So when this show was originally made, NBC didn't have a streamer. Now it does with Peacock. It, it bought Sky recently. So this is this is the type of show that it was once on Netflix. It's now not going to be on Netflix. It's going to return home to NBC. So I just. I had to say that because that um, look it, it explains a lot. I'm I, I now absolve you of mentioning a Netflix show on. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, so the the show I'm I'm talking about is Severance, and this is a show on Apple TV Plus. It's been getting a lot of uh, really great reviews, and uh, I'll start with that. It was a weekly released show, so we've been talking about the binge model and how that doesn't really lead to a lot of conversation around the show. Well, severance, a lot of conversation. So I remember popping on to the severance subreddit because I was, cons- I was like, this is really interesting. I wonder what other people are saying about this. And maybe the first episode, there was a thousand people there, maybe less. I think it had just started. And there was maybe a hundred comments on the first episode uh, re- recap. It's grown to about 50,000 in the subreddit and there's hundreds, if not there's thousands, if not tens of thousands comments on these episode recaps. So 
it, every single week it's grown in popularity. And the way that you can also do this is you can look at Google trends, just search severance. And then over time, it just keeps on going up. So um, clearly the data is there that at least for the, at least for this show in particular, um, the weekly model has been working really well. And why do I think it's worked well? And why do I think people are talking about the show? Because the show is freaking great. And the, the very simplistic concept of the show is that people, people can choose to undergo an operation where their work life and their personal life are totally separated. So the person drives into work, goes onto an elevator, the chip that is implanted in their brain switches on, and they go into work. But when they're at work, they don't remember anything from the outside world. So their work persona lives in a, in a constant existence of working. They work throughout the day. They go into the elevator at night. They blink. And then they're at the elevator the next morning working again. So they, so they have an existence that is purely working in office. And then it's vice versa for the people on the outside. You know, it's two personalities. They go into work. They go into the elevator. They blink. They're home for the day. So that so the reason I started watching the show is because of that simple concept. When I saw it advertised, I was like, that's a fascinating concept. I bet they can really play around with this. And it turns out they actually did. So I've I've heard it being described and, and actually maybe maybe I heard it from my inner voice. Um, I've described it as sort of like a, a, a lost version of being in the office. So it's it's got the mystery-esque of lost and the, the multiple inside and outside, but it's based in an office setting. So that's really fascinating. And there's, there's layers to, to what the office is doing. It's just, uh, it's really fascinating because there's so many different um, kind of mysteries that are going on and, and it really starts to pick up by the end of the show. So what, what I felt is that the first two episodes, you really got into it, you know, a little bit, a little bit slower in the middle kind of laying some groundwork and then the end of the show really picked up to where um you know there's people on twitter calling the 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 season finale of severance the the best season finale of any show ever now I, i'm not sure if i'm willing to say that because i have to rack my brain about that but it was really good so the the general concept is uh, you don't like you. Don't, you, only, you only have to know the general concept. That's the general concept. The work lives and the personal lives are separate, and there's just so much that they can play from that. So yeah, I, I've been recommending the show to everybody who's looking for a new show. I'm pumped you're going to be watching it. Um, I've already recommended it to people that have started watching it, and yeah, it's just it's just really good, and it's one of those shows that um, I participated in this uh, online, and I'm sure plenty of other people did where you're wondering what happens next. So you have an episode and you think about it. You, you maybe rewatch it once, twice, three times. And, and, and I'll even, I'll say this TV, like I, I watched the finale and then I went back that weekend and essentially watched the season again. I was skipping over some parts that I didn't need to see again, but I spent several hours watching a lot of the season again, because it was so good. Um, and there was things that I was potentially missing the first time around that um I wanted to see the second time around. So yeah, really good. And you know, the, the final point, maybe to bring it back around to um, the beginning of the pod in Netflix, I think a, sh a show like Severance. So I was, I, I, I was with Severance for like two and a half months. I had nine episodes. They were, they were over two and a half months. So I thought a lot about the show. I got invested in the show. I got invested in the characters. It's, the, it's an amazing cast. Like, you can what you know the first episode you're going to see all, all these amazing characters so amazing cast uh, that yeah. that makes me like be really excited about the show going forward it's a very different experience than binge watching ozark that people do in a weekend okay i binged it i watched it and no now on to the next one so i think shows like severance and this doesn't only go for them but it goes for everybody that's doing the the not the binge model the shows that you're thinking about, talking about, those are the ones that are going to be rewatched. I mean, why do people love historical shows like um, like The Sopranos or something? Like, you can go back and watch The Sopranos, and that's a great show. Are people really going back and watching, um, you know, Stranger Things once they aired? Are people rewatching House of Cards? I'm not so sure. So 
I think, um, you know, I, I recommend the show to everybody, but it just speaks to what, what are we doing with this unsustainable binge model? It what it seems like it has proved to be unsustainable. And, you know, we'll, we'll be covering this story going forward to see if uh, Netflix answers the question. Like, how do they answer the question? Did they continue with what, what, what they've been doing or do they actually change course and maybe spend a little less money where they shouldn't be? So I, I'm fascinated. But in general, I think, um, you know, Apple TV Plus, they've got that show. I mean, Ted Lasso. I don't know if you watch that TV, but Not yet. yeah, that was people love that show um, has Mythic Quest, which is always sunny. Um, same same uh, same guys always sunny writing it so you know th- there's some there's some shows on there so I think Apple Apple kind of took the exact opposite approach of Netflix they went quality over quantity and we were talking about it earlier in the pod it started off a little slow but they, they seem to be hitting the groove lately so be be on the lookout for Apple and let's um let's hope they don't go woke yeah yeah no it, it, it... I, I really love that whole premise. Like, I, that's what got me excited by Severance. Like, that's why I want to start it, so I can kind of be part of it while it's while the episodes are coming out and it's fresh. Um, like, having the, like, the, the fan theories on Reddit and people are like, oh, like, there was something in the background that might be uh, alluding to something or, like, foreshadowing something coming up or, or, or things like that. Like, I love that stuff. Like, I remember the days watching Westworld or Mr. Mm. Robot and there were like these super trippy, in-depth shows that you never really knew quite what was happening until like the very end of the show. Um, and I just loved getting into those rabbit holes and just coming up with theories and you know, like guessing if you're right or wrong or you know, it. That's like that's the excitement for the show. That's that's like a that's what you call the concept of appointment TV, where you make sure that when that show debuts that Sunday night at eight p.m., for example that everyone gathers up together to watch it. Like there's a lot of excitement for that. You plan your day around it. Um, and I think we need to move back to that. Like I get people want everything yesterday, but I, I think like you kind of lose the artistic quality when you, when you do that. Like I, I think people should learn some self-discipline uh, and they'll be rewarded with more compelling TV. Um, so yeah, I, I hope, I hope Netflix goes back to that model because HBO, I would say they're like the gold standard when it comes to movies and television. Like even their TV shows are movie quality, so um, that that's fantastic. Like I, I think like they, I think that model clearly works, and it seems that Apple is following the the HBO model, which really excites me. So yeah, I, 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 it's exciting that Apple is already starting off with you know, like to your point, low quantity but high quality shows and i think that's the exact model that is going to bring in more users well i'm so pumped you said that because if you do get into severance then if uh season two comes along i i bet there's going to be a lot of theories passed back and forth between me and you as we're watching (laughs) the show week to week so hey we're we're having fun doing the woke antidote we'll probably be doing it still when there's a season two you know, hey, maybe we'll be on Fox News by then. Who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll be on Fox Nation talking about Severance. But we could uh, we could definitely have a a weekly Severance recap as as part of the show, and hopefully more people will be watching it by then. But yeah, t- TV. This was this was a streaming focus episode, but there was just a lot of a lot to cover. There was Netflix going woke, CNN Plus going woke, and then going broke. Uh, Spotify not renewing with the Obamas, and then our non woke weekly antidotes. Uh, anything else you got here? No, I mean, you know, like we said, we, we had this planned when we recorded two days ago. We were going to cover it today. But as you can see, like the last episode was an hour long. This one's about an hour long as well. There's just so much that we need to cover. And that's why we've moved into this twice a week model. You know, you know obviously we don't always uh, follow it stringently, but we do it when we can. We do it for the most part, I'd say. But there's just so much. There's just so much happening, and we just we want to cover this. We want to talk about it uh, because these are important topics, and hopefully you're all learning stuff along the way, and our messaging is resonating with you. But um, we are going to be, in addition to our episodes, we are looking to get more engaged with our fans and create more content. So as you saw, we joined the Canadian Bitcoiners the other week. Um, we're definitely looking to do more stuff like that. 
Um, if you are listening and have any ideas of other ways that you'd like to engage with us or other types of content you'd like to see, like feel free to, to send it in. We'd, we'd, uh, we love hearing your feedbacks uh, so far. So uh, please keep it coming because, you know, I really like what direction this show's heading in. Um, you know, SB, we talked about this in the last episode, but like not, not even to, to brag that, uh, at all, but our viewership has really skyrocketed over the past two weeks. It's been like amazing, completely unexpected for something that we thought was just going to be like a fun side hobby is now really kind of forming into this, this, this beast that, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been really incredible to see. So uh, yeah, let's, let's keep the, uh, the train rolling here uh, and we'll, we'll catch you again early next week when, uh, when we're back. Yeah. I, I couldn't be more pumped at, the topics we're covering because they're they're in the news and yeah episode 13 that was our episode 13 was our most listened episode since episode 7 which tb episode 7 was tb rebuts a disgusting rise of white nationalist hispanics article i mean that was amazing i i can't that was one of the best segments we've ever done on the pod so if you if you're listening to this episode and you haven't heard that definitely i mean i would encourage you to listen to all of episode 7 and all our episodes but Listen to the first uh, probably 10 minutes of episode seven because TB was just on absolute fire. And this is going to be a key theme in in the election in 22 and 24 Hispanics moving right, um, partly because they they don't like what how, how far left the Democrats are, are going. So that's a, a really a big issue. And, and the Democrats are trying to label Hispanics moving right as racist, which is insane. So, yeah, t- take a take a view of that one. And then, yeah, episode 13, if you haven't listened to that, we talked Elon. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk Elon this episode. We'll, we'll talk Elon because he's always going to be in the news with, uh, with Twitter. We'll, um, we talked Elon last episode. I'm sure that he's going to be um, d- given an update uh, next week. And, heck, he might even have a bid in um, for all of Twitter <laughs> by next week. So Thank that's, you that, I, I could predict that might be our top episode or our top story for next week. But – in the meantime, yeah, we'll, we'll leave you guys for the weekend. Uh, well, we really hope you enjoyed the content um, over the next couple of days. And then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be right back at you really next week. All right. Take care, folks. See you next week. Cheers. <laughs>